Hey guys, welcome to Rolling for Change. Uh, this this time around, we've got an episode for you about the rules of acquisition disorder. You know, as I as I record this, I'm kind of reflecting on my weekend gaming, and most of my weekend gaming has been about playing Final Fantasy XIV. Which, if you play Final Fantasy XIV, please check in with me so we can uh, party together and uh, go out and uh, kill some bad guys. But uh, my biggest obsession this week has been role playing games. And so I'm starting to see that I have a little bit of an acquisition disorder with unique role-playing games. I'm looking around as I'm sitting here and I'm seeing a lot of unique role-playing games sitting on the shelf just waiting for me to kind of learn them. Uh, but I've been sticking my head into uh, the new Star Trek Adventures by Modiphius, which is a, a very different role-playing system just in the terms of the, the rolling. Uh, you roll low numbers instead of high numbers, and the way that it's done is very unique. Uh, It's very exciting. I'm looking forward to uh, trying to to run that system for some people. But uh, anyway, those are my acquisition thoughts this week. I've just been kind of focused on, well, how can I get more stuff in Final Fantasy? And uh, how can I get some of these really great role-playing games to the table? That said, uh, this episode is a conversation between myself and Susie and Brian and Ginger about acquisition disorder and that's really just about i want more i want more games i want more stuff i i I do this you know i'm a little scrooge mcduck mcduck of gaming maybe at times possibly but we're going to kind of take that apart and i think that you will enjoy our conversation My name is Woody Harris, and I have a gaming acquisition problem. Hi, Woody. Hi, Woody. Hi, Woody. Hi. Uh, I don't know how many games I have. I have more games than I can play. Um, I have, given the amount of time that I actually have to play, I have more games than I can play. I have a list of games to buy that I really want to buy. I have Kickstarters coming in in just about every month of the year, and uh, you might say I'm still looking. So, <laughs> how about you guys? My name is Brian, and I am a recovering board game addict. I currently have 216 board games, not counting expansions. However, over the years, I have unburdened myself of 421 games. Um, Primarily for financial reasons, I needed the money. And each one of them that I gave, well, almost every one of them I gave up, tore a little bit out of my poor little soul. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I feel you, Brian. My name is Susie. I am a Kickstarter addict. Hi, ah, Susie. Hi, Susie. I um, get very excited every time I see a new Kickstarter, and um, I, I kind of get a Jones if I haven't contributed to a Kickstarter in about three or four weeks. So I think I have more Kickstarters um, going than my husband, and that's usually the normal experience and I get very very excited 
when I find out that they're coming. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Ginger, and I am a pimp this game out addict. (laughs) Hi, Ginger. Ginger. Hi, Ginger. (laughs) I love meeple sores, and also I love to put, you know, different pieces um, in the games. All right. You love to pimp it out. Okay. So this is Rolling for Change, and today we're talking about the rules of acquisition disorder. Um, and yes, that is a per- that is a play on the Ferengi rules of acquisition because it worked so well. <laughs> and because we're nerds. <laughs> and, yes, yeah. we're nerds, absolutely. And, and any chance nerds. to bring in Star Trek is a, a good chance. So just some quick discussion pieces before we get into the deeper part of the discussion. The first is, what are we talking about? We're talking about something called acquisition disorder. Acquisition disorder um, can also be uh, referenced as compulsive buying disorder. Just the compulsive buying comes into being games, board games, role-playing games, and sometimes video games. Um, It's also known as oniomania. Um, It's... So it's important to, to recognize that we're, we're kind of playing on things here and we're not purposely trying to be disrespectful towards anyone who actually has a real emergent disorder that they're facing. You know, these things that we're talking about, they're a subset of obsessive compulsive disorder. Our discussion here is very tongue in cheek um, and we recognize some people really struggle with serious issues. So just to take it apart real quick. A disorder of of that nature, that that like real compulsive dying disorder, real. I mean, once you put the word disorder in it, you've immediately said that this hobby, this activity, is having a negative impact on my life. You know, I just bought ten board games instead of paying for my house, or I just bought board games instead of feeding my family. That would be a real emergency sort of mental health crisis. And so I don't want to be disrespectful to anyone who's going through those kind of challenges. We're not talking about alcoholism. We're not talking about things that may be real, real disorders. But within the gaming community, as hobbyists, there are things that we recognize that we have challenges with, that we might, as I do, buy more than we can play and constantly look for more. So... I just want to sort of take apart the the pieces of the disorder with the group here and and just kind of identify all these various bits and pieces that make up what we're calling acquisition disorder. And again, if you have a real mental health issue, if if the if you know the things that I just said have some real impact on you, then my my statement is I encourage you to go and find a therapist for yourself. Or, you know, if you can't find a therapist, Reach out to us, and we'll help you find a therapist. That said, now we're going to get really tongue-in-cheek and act like this is a really big problem. <laughs> well, it can be. Yeah. It can, yeah. What uh, What are you thinking, Brian? Well, um, I think I've mentioned this in other, in other podcasts, but um, collectible card games, they bring out the worst in me. Mm. Um, whenever... Magic the Gathering first came out, I had boxes upon boxes upon boxes of cards, and I had maybe four or five decks that were always in some kind of flux. 
Um, and I had favorite color combinations and favorite cards. And of course, the cards would get banned and I have to get new cards to replace them. And I would go into a comic shop just to you know, buy a couple comics. And I'd see the new expansion out and I'd, um, well, grab a couple of expansions here and there. <laughs> it got to the point eventually where I would just go and buy a box. Yeah. And just open up all the bags. Yeah. That's a, re- a serious thing for me. For a while, it was it was Hero Clicks was a big thing for me. Yeah, I and then Hero I started Clicks. in on um, on uh, the Star Wars one, um, X Wing, mm-hmm. and I stopped. That, I nipped that one in the bud. Um, I've, I'm at the point now where anything that's collect has the word collectible in it. Not got not even going to even play the game. I'm not even going to breathe near it. Because then I'll like it. <laughs> yeah, and then it sounds like you'll get into kind of an addictive sort of pattern, at which point you'll be like going and buying boxes of, of expansions. Well, I I am liter I do literally have OCD, so once I get on a tangent, I sometimes have trouble getting off of it. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so. What about you, Susie and Ginger? Any stories of, you know, really things that you thought might might head towards being a really challenging thing for you or, or cause you problems? I don't know about this part of it. I don't I don't think that I have a very addictive personality. So I mean I get concerned, of course, with our board games and the fact that we have so many and we haven't opened a whole chunk of them. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that it's ever gotten to a place where it's been, we haven't bought groceries or we haven't paid our mortgage or any of that. So, I don't know. I don't know that I have a good, I joke around about being, you know, a Kickstarter addict and all that, but I just checked how many Kickstarters. I only have like six. (laughs) (laughs) It can feel that way. I mean, if you include yours and mine in one sort of grouping, we probably do have one for every month of the year coming up. Provided they don't get delayed. Provided they don't get delayed. Oh, I've got one that I've I've been waiting on for three years now, so. Yeah. And we appreciate and we appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because our games are your games. <laughs> yeah, some people will uh, kind of like, uh, almost like, uh, what are the kind of fish that hang out next to a shark? Remora. Remora. Some people are like Remora. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's not okay. I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, considering I haven't bought viticulture just very because you guys have the whole thing, so yeah, and mine is pretty pimped out. It is, man. I appreciate that <laughs> yeah. about as much as their um, Terra Mystica. Oh. Yeah, which yes. hasn't come to the table in a long time, but I yeah. Or, All right, oh, I, so. I almost forgot. By the way, nerd moment. Just a quick brief sure. segue. Um, the podcast won't be coming out this day, but happy Towel Day, everybody. It's it May is 25th. happy Towel it's Day. It's towel, towel Day. day. Always wow, know where okay. your towel is. Yes. I do. It's it's dirty. It's in the hamper. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you are not washed. prepared for Towel Day, sir. You should be ashamed. I, I, I stand ashamed. Um, I also stand a little ashamed of my collection. Um, 
so let, let's talk about the disorder as I see it. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm taking this from things I've read on the Internet and, and from things that I've felt myself. So just kind of finding the, the ways to talk about the reason that I collect. Uh, the first one is the cult of the new. You guys know what this term means. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very aware. So oh, yeah. for those who don't know what this term means, the cult of the new is this sense that the newest, shiniest game is that's what I want right now. You know, it doesn't matter that I bought the newest, shiniest game last week. There's still a newer and shinier game just ahead, just in my sights. I can almost reach it. It's not at Cool Stuff yet. It's not at Amazon yet, but I see it. That's that's Cult of the New, where you're just constantly focused on playing new games. I was researching um, BGG this morning, the 10 most hot games for May 2019, so I can't say much. <laughs> and you well, mean you're a part of the Cult of the New. Week, so. oh, yes. And we have Game Fest next week. And we have Game Fest next week, yes. So we'll, we'll be in, inculcated into the Cult of the New, and we'll all come away wanting more games, even though... We haven't played the games we have. So that's Cult of the New. The next thing for me is I see a game I like or I play a game I like, and I want, even though I don't know when I'll play it, I want immediate access to it. I want to be able to say, you know what, I'd like to play that game right now. And even if I don't know how to play it, even though I don't know the, don't know the rules, don't know all the people, I just know I have it. It's similar with books for me. Like I'll, I'll buy a book saying, okay, I've got that. I've got access to that now. Now what else do I need access to? It's probably a little too autobiographical, but it's just that, that, that's just the way it works. I want to be able to know things when I need to know things or do things when I need to do things and not have to go to the store at that time and buy it or get it. Oh, yeah, this is a big one for me. Um, there are games you guys have that we have. And Ginger says, well, Woody and Susie have it. Why do we need it? Because I might want to play it when they're not around. And I want the game because it should be mine. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> I don't understand why that's such a difficult concept, but, you know, hey. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, I have to agree that <laughs> I, I get very, um, I get very impatient if I don't have certain things especially if like expansions for for my one of my favorite games comes out I gotta have it now Scythe yeah Concordia Concordia <laughs> although just to point out we haven't fixed that problem yet but I know and it's <laughs> <See>? <laughs> I just I'll just poke the bear a little bit poke here it. poke the bear <laughs> damn it <laughs> I am well aware that I still do not have it um, and it's a, it's a good game too. So I, I would like to get it on the shelf. See, I'm I'm still in. I'm I'm always involved in acquisition. It's 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 maybe not a good thing. Um, there is a cool factor that gets to to be here, which is you know, this kind of side of things where you want to have the coolest new games, and you there again probably too autobiographical. And I don't think about this all the time this way. But you want to have games that are different than everybody else's because you want to be able to bring something to the party that everybody goes, ooh, ah. New shiny. Ooh, where'd you get that? What is that? And especially, it's especially good if that party is full of like regular hobbyist gamers and they're like, ooh, ah, that's amazing. How did you get that? that that's, a, that's a huge feather in the cap for anyone who's a gamer. Yeah, you, know, that you show was... up to Game Fest and you have the stuff. 
Well, that was like with Wingspan when that because they've been they keep selling out of their of the game. So if you've got it, people get excited. Yeah, because it's not so accessible. Yeah. Or, yeah. or if somebody you know, if you can't make it to Gen Con, but you get somebody to go to Gen Con for you. Oh yeah. You even though that stuff is going to come out before you even get it to the table. Before you even get it to the table, some of it not even, some of them way after you get it, like it's, you still order it because you're like, well, I know that if I have this new shiny, I'll be more likely to have people that want to play with me. Yep. Never mind that I didn't yeah. read the rules yet. <laughs> <laughs> How true. And the last one on, on my list here for the disorder is what we call Grail games. I have one or two Grail games, but Grail games are those games that you seek forever. You, they're, they're high-level collectibles. They're just like, I can't get a hold of this very easily, and even if I don't necessarily want to play it all the time, I want it, and I want it now. Do you guys have Grail games? I mean, I know that we're... Susie and you and I, our collection is the same, but still, there yeah. are Grail games, right? There are things that you hold out as, ah, that kind of thing. We have a choir. <laughs> the, the, the Hasbro Chunky Edition. That's right, yes. <laughs> Which is not, a, it's not out there. You can't get it anymore. And the new versions of a choir are not so good. Yeah, I want your copy of a choir. It's so good. You cannot have it. So, I know, I know, but at least I can play it. So that's the good part. And for that matter, if you have Robo Rally with the actual pewter pieces, yes, that is a Grail game. I mean, that's Grail in the sense that we don't we don't play it very often at all at this point. But we do we have play them. it mostly when it's somebody else's game when we're at a game convention. True. But uh, I would never get rid of that. Oh no. The nicest thing about our acquisition of Acquire is that it was a Grail game for both me and Ginger. So we could totally justify getting it. And I happened to find it (laughs) for the cheapest I'd seen it in ages. And then we got it, and it was almost mint. It was almost in perfect condition. And gave it to Ginger. She's like, how much did you spend for this? I said, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. The other Grail game we have right now is was a gift um, from some very good friends <laughs> um, of uh, the Queen's Gambit, which uh, just for those who don't know, this is also a Hasbro game. It's coming up Hasbro this time. This is also a Hasbro game that uh, came out shortly after the Phantom Menace, and it basically is a battle on three fronts. You're you're battling on. Uh, the planet against the gung uh, the gungans versus the the trade federation you're battling between darth maul and qui-gon jinn and obi-wan and you're battling um in the ship with anakin doing his thing trying to uh, uh shut down the uh the the droid federation's uh the trade federation's droid army by by blowing up the ship that controls them which just offsides how smart is it to have a control ship why don't they all have their own processors that 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 just don't get that part of things but that's okay we can step back from that see hasbro can when they put their mind to it put out better games than monopoly 
Absolutely. Yes, Ab- most day definitely. Drink. <laughs> Damn it, Brian. It's got to come in every episode somehow. It does not. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> and, and you were trying, by the way. That wasn't even a mistake. No, no, no. That one, the minute you brought up that both two games from Hasbro, I was like, I have to bring Monopoly now because that's it's a Hasbro that was, game. That was purposeful. It's not. Uh, okay, fine. It can't always be organic, Woody. Yes, it can. <laughs> Besides, you brought that upon yourself. For mentioning Hasbro, it has nothing to do with Monopoly drink. Hey, hey now. You give me grief, I'll start singing Bird is the Word. No. I don't no, have a problem with Bird problem. is the Word. Not his. Not okay. You can always refer to it as the M word. <laughs> Again, not my issue. <laughs> Why are you jumping on me? What is up with you people? All right, we're moving on. For the, the for those who don't know, those are things that Susie can't stand. What what is the line? Uh, crush the something, break the plates. That's what Bilbo Baggins hates. And there's some there's oh, some yeah. rhyme here for Susie somewhere. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that somebody will come up with it at some point soon. Okay, moving on. Moving on. So when we're talking about acquisition disorder, there, I, I was thinking, you know, there's a lot of emotionality that plays a role in this, um, and. You know, it, it's important to kind of take that apart too, because if we see it as a disorder, what are the contributing factors to having the disorder as, or to having this problem, to having this issue, to having this character flaw, whatever it might be? Um, and the way I, I just kind of broke it down to emotions. So the first one is a fear emotion, and that is the fear of missing out. Um, you know, we buy things because I'll never be able to get that again, or it's it's so rare, or um, I don't want to not be able to play this if they're not here. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you know that's, mm-hmm. that's oh god, the one that drives me nuts. Nobody I know has this game. Why does nobody I know have this game? I must remedy that. Right, right. Yes. And now I have it. So, oh, that's why nobody has this game is because it's not a good game. Uh, that can be the case or maybe not the case. But the fear of missing out is a pretty big thing. And then we come to, you know, uh, Tom Vassell of Dice Tower has talked about the fear of missing out. And he's talked about what he calls Vassell's Law, which is basically that if a game is good, it will come back into print no matter what. I take a little bit of issue with it, but... It's uh, it's it's possibly a true thing. I mean, a lot of like, a lot of um, well, I mean, even Bruno Cathala has old games that are coming back out again, and and so does Sid Saxon, and you know, we can name a number of creators, but there is still that kind of sense, especially when it comes to Kickstarter, because you don't know if this is gonna fly, and it really is flying for you. You know, you don't know if this is going to be something that people are going to get excited about, but damn it, that's really awesome. Check that out. Look at that. That's that's the danger for me when it comes to Kickstarter. Well, you know, Queen's Gambit, they re-released it in a way as Star Wars Risk, but it was uh, <clears throat> not great. Subpar. Yeah, so that's not always true. No, it's not. Um, and the other one we've kind of hit, but creating our interest in others. So there, there is a kind of uh, social um, 
standing that comes with when people come over. Like I, I remember when I met uh, my good friend Frank. When I met him first, I was just in awe of his game collection. Mm-hmm. I was in lust of his game collection. I wanted it all, and I wanted to play it all, and I wanted to see it all. And there's some notoriety that comes with owning a lot of games, especially games that you can't get anywhere else, especially if you have a lot of Grail games. There's that kind of thing of like, well, they got the stuff, you know? That plays a role too, I think. Yeah, I would agree with that. And there's also, you know, Frank had this too, but um, our friend Leon, he has games that I had never seen or heard of that are kind of older games. Yeah. And he has some unique games. He um, had Zoffin Buffalo that I'd never played before. So much fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I look forward to whenever he comes to Game Fest or some of the game conventions, he usually brings Zoffin Buffalo. And he's like, who's up for this? I'm like, yo, here, right here. Hello. Yes. <laughs> so there's a side of this that, yeah. that personality plays into. My yes. personality is equal to my game collection. Sort of. Or your popularity. Well, popularity, but it's also like, you know, like like in the case of Zoff and Buffalo, I don't know anybody that has that but Leon. And it's a great game. Mm-hmm. And maybe even would fit on my Grail Games sort of list, but he has it. And so he has something that is unique in our in our circles, and therefore it stands out to us. And your cool factor goes up significantly if someone pulls one of those games off your shelf and says, do you know how to play this game? You go, oh, yeah, sit down. I'll teach it to you. Yeah. Because yeah. a yes. lot of times it's like, um, it's kind of still in shrink wrap. I haven't even opened it, and I've had it for five years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't know anything about that. Not at all. Not at all. And then, And then this is a perfect lead-in to... Does guilt or shame play a role in our collections? Yes. Yeah. How so? Most definitely. Well, at the time, whenever we needed the money, because I was trying to, um, I was trying to get into um, some sort of training situation, but I needed a lot of money for it. Um, yeah. I felt guilty that I had all these games, especially games that we really didn't play that much. And in the yeah. beginning, I was selling off the games that. Neither one of us really played all that much. They were good games, but other people had them. And eventually we got down to the games that really hurt. Um, I did not want to sell Cosmic Encounter, Power Grid. Oh, God, Argent the Consortium was so good. Um, Agricola. I had to sell all those. Alien Frontiers. God, we had that one so nicely pimped out. And I sold all these games. They're on my previously owned list, and the majority of them are on my must-have list to get back. <laughs> They're back to Grail games now. Yeah. My Grail games are reacquiring games that used to be in my collection. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Flea market coming up soon. Uh-huh. Yes, uh-huh. and George is bringing back my scythe. Oh, George is coming? Yeah. I thought they I were know. coming. He's going uh, to the other uh, one. Oh, yeah. Okay, got it. So moving on. Um, Eventually, he's bringing it back. Got it. <laughs> if we were going to mention Grail games, I have to say Dark Tower, even though I don't think I'd want to play it in the old version. Thank God for Restoration Games who are remaking Dark Tower. But Dark Tower is a Grail game for me at this point. Nice. Okay. I, I I knew people who I knew people who had it, but I never ever had the chance to play it. Yeah. And my parents wouldn't buy it for me. And I think also Magical Realm 
is a grail game for me because it's the first time I ever saw a Euro. Yeah, that was I an had, Avalon Hill game. I had the opportunity to play that one, and I just never had. I was offered the chance to play it, but it didn't mesh with my time at, at the at the moment. I wasn't able. And to I don't in. know that it's a good game. You know, some of these are like I don't know that it's a good game. I just I have, have I a have memory heard of that it. Once you learn the five hundred billion rules to Magic yeah. Realm, um, it's it's a, it's a decent game. But until then, it's what the hell is going on here? Yeah, one of those. Games. Yeah, and there are better games. Yeah. So, um, but I'll I'll say that guilt and shame play a role in another direction, which is you know, someone shows up and they want to play new game X, new game Y, and you have it, but you have no idea how to play it. There's a little bit of guilt and shame then. Why do I have this game if I don't even know how to play it? What's wrong with me? Why haven't I opened this up yet? Um, and then also sometimes it's a matter of just saying, well, I have all these games that I haven't played. Am, am I squandering? You know, Am I doing things that are, are bad for me? Am I doing things that are bad for other people? Um, yeah. Thinking about all the money that you've got mixed up in, in, in the games, and could you have done better, better things with that money than buy a board game? Sure. Yeah, I mean, that, that certainly comes into play. It's also when you have to tell your homeowner's insurance how much your games are worth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's we, a matter of pride. I don't know where you guilt get guilt from that now. I don't think we've done that, baby. We probably should do that. It, yeah, we have, should. We you have to put a rider on your insurance. Oh, well, we should, though. Well, really, I, you can put a rider on your insurance for your board games? Yes, just like you would do like if you had a, a very expensive ring. You would just basically you you send them pictures of everything and of of your games. You don't have to send them a detail, but you you take several pictures of it and you send it to them, and it's in your file. Or I can just print out my uh, board game geek list and send it. Oh, that that's true back. too. That's called OCD, Brian. <laughs> well, I, I was just thinking, that's you know, knowing I, I, what we own and what we don't, and that's not a bad thing. Bite me. I can imagine sort of setting Queen's Gambit on the table with all the lights on it at one time and then taking the picture just so it's very clear this one is the most expensive one I have right now. Yeah, spread some some uh, sparkly stuff and some uh-huh. rose petals around it and light some candles, make it all nice and romantic. I don't know if that's quite where I was going with that, but okay, sure. Record a video with with a um, a sexy version of the the Princess Leia theme, you know. <laughs> a sexy version of the Princess Leia theme. Hey, I'm sure I there's need something that right out now. There. I need that right now. <laughs> Acquisitions. I don't even know how to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, I was just seeing some kind of skit in my head where, uh, like board game personals where the board games actually do the personals themselves. <laughs> okay. Game seeks farming um <laughs> farming interested person to come and be a subsistence farmer. Must bring own fishing pole. Right, right. Hi, my name is Ticket to Ride and I like long <laughs> trips across the country <laughs> and I like getting in other people's way. <laughs> I, I and, do. Ha- Go ahead. And the color of rainbows is required. <laughs> uh-huh. so a matter of guilt for me is whenever someone wants to play one of my games and I'm really not in the mood to play it. 
Oh, and yeah. That, that befuddles both them and me because it's like, you own this game. Why don't you want to play it? I'm like, I don't know. I have chicken in the fridge, but I don't want to eat it today. Why did I buy it if I don't want to eat it now? Um, because I might want to eat it tomorrow, but today I crave steak, by God. Yeah, I mean... I think an offshoot of that for, for me sometimes is if you've got, you know, your babies, the things that you've pimped out and that are your, your favorite games, and you don't put them out for for play for everybody, you, like, leave them under the table or whatever because uh-huh. you're only going to uh-huh. play this with specific people because you know that they're going to treat your game with respect. And that, that's that's, that's a like a game fest kind of rule. Yeah, there's a little bit of shame in me when I do that. I'm like, oh, I just, I'm not treat, I'm not trusting people. But really, I'd I rather have sh- I'd rather have shame than hate. I know, it's true. Because yeah, I I have let people I've left out my copy of um of Marvel Legendary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before I grievously, tragically, unfortunately sold it off to make some money again. Um, but I left it out there and oh my God, people could not put it back together properly. Mm-hmm. And my little OCD soul was just screaming in agony. Well, you know, this is what has brought some gamers to putting like tags inside their games that say, you yeah. know, this game has not been played yet, you know, things of that nature. Um, we we all want to be as as kind as we can be when we go to these game conventions. Uh, we want you know we want people to be able to play our babies, um, but we also want people to take care of our babies. Because it's respect. it's Gosh, yeah just it. yeah. And sometimes you don't have people who who offer that respect. Right. And if I have ever been guilty of that, anybody listening, if I have ever been guilty of that, <laughs> I would be mortified because I I treasure my games so much that I don't want to see anything bad happen to anybody's game. Um, on the opposite end of that, there is one um, person that puts a little sticker in his um, his games, and it says, if you play this game, game remove this sticker, um, or is it just a little piece of paper? It's just a, a piece of paper, paper, but yeah. Yeah, that says that um, if, if you've played it, then that way he knows to bring it next time. That means it's there's interest there. Which is good, which is true. Fun. Yeah, it's it's a good idea. It also it also kind of helps you to keep up with whether or not you know your game is being treated properly. It doesn't right. doesn't work perfectly that way, but I do have the story of of me being the person who couldn't seem to put a, a game back the proper way when I was playing. Uh, Terra Mystica, my, not my own copy, but somebody else's very pimped out awesome copy. And I was playing it, and, and when we were finished, and I could not figure out how to get it all back in the box properly. So I like kind of higgled, I, I dumped everything into it, and then I walked over to the owner of the game who was playing another game and said, Hi, I need your help. And he just looked at me, and he had this whole disapproving look on his face, and he shook his head and sighed and said, I'll take care of it. <laughs> So oh, that ow, right there ow. was shame. The that shaking was shame. head, the, shame. the shaking the head, and the sigh. I'm pretty sure I know who that was. Oh, you know who it yeah, is. Yeah, we all know who that <laughs> is. Yes, yes. She did do the walk of shame I over did there do to the him. Walk of shame over to him, and and it's now been dubbed. It's that that look and the sh- head shake have now been dubbed the Susie the, the Susie disapproval stare <laughs> because he does it so often for me. <laughs> I will say one. Um, bizarre aspect of the acquisition um, disorder with me yeah. is I find great, great pleasure 
in punching games and sorting yes! them and ordering them. I love that. Which is why I look at y'all's shelf and I see these games and shrink, and I'm like, how? how see, now the you, guilt and shame is going on right now. Yeah, but it's like um, <laughs> Stephen King described how he is with alcohol. He sees someone drinking, say, a glass of wine, and then they drink half of it and just leave it sitting. And he's like, finish that. Why don't you just finish it? It makes no sense to him. If you have alcohol, drink all of it. Um, and it's the same thing with me, but not with alcohol. It's like, you bought this game. How long are you going to wait to open it up? Because I wait maybe five to ten minutes. I'll be at a con- I'll be at a convention. People will be inviting me to games, and I'll say, I got to take this. I got to. No, I I've seen that happen. I've got to punch I've this game I've seen that first. happen. Yeah. Brian sitting at a table on his own, just punching a game, just completely ignoring games around him. Just Hey, Ginger, do you remember how we acquired, it was Legendary Encounters Alien? Yes, I do. Do you want me to tell the story? Yes. Okay. Actually, no, it was Legendary Marvel Legendary Villains was the one. Go ahead. Okay. Well, one of our um, friends that had a, a, um, a game store at the time, he just um, got the game to be sold, and he put it on the table, and no one was there. We, we went out to, it's like a, a, a restaurant where you go and play games and stuff, and um, everybody, it's a meetup. It's a meetup. And um, he looked at Brian and he goes, hey, do you want to punch this thing? this for me so I can use this as a demo and I just shook my head because I knew what was going to happen oh my eyes lit up (laughs) Brian sat there for around about an hour reorganizing the whole game and I just looked at the um the other gentleman and I just shook my head and I said you know that game is going home with us right and he just smiled and walked away (laughs) somebody knows how to sell he knew how to sell (laughs) you know what for, for, for being that devious, you just say the name. Just call Dave out. <laughs> Mr. Leach, you are a gentleman and a scholar. And I appreciate your shrewd business-like behavior, sir. All right, so we've kind of pointed out some, some of the, maybe the negatives of acquisition disorder. But is it is acquisition disorder really a bad thing? Is it bad for the hobby? Is it bad for us? Is it, in fact, possible that it can be a good thing to have an acquisition disorder? It makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> there are friends I know who have this kind of disorder, and it a lot of people view it as this, you know, you know where people say that um, poor people um, are crazy, rich people are um, eccentric. Oh, eccentric, that's right. right. Yeah. So people who can afford to in, indulge themselves fully in this hobby are game hobbyists. They're collectors. Yeah. However, if you don't have a lot of money and you're breaking yourself doing this. Um, putting yourself out of, you know, having rent, having bills that you can pay, then you have a disorder. Yeah, that's when it so, starts to be a negative for your life. Yeah. So if you if you're making, you know, a couple hundred thousand a year and you're buying, you know, three or four games a month, you're probably fine financially. Yeah. Um, yeah. It becomes a disorder, I guess, 
in at the point where it starts negatively impacting your life. Exactly. I, whether I think that's, that's financially or whether you run out of room, and so then it just it, like you become a hoarder. If you make point. two or three hundred thousand a year, you run out of room. You build a game room. <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, you just have a library in the same way you have a, a book library. You have a game library. I'm a problem solver. <laughs> well, I can say for myself that there have been times that I have been depressed or I've been angry or I've been some some emotion that I don't like to feel. And going – now, I'm not going to use games as, as the example right now because it's not the one that I'm remembering. But going to buy uh, music became incredibly – therapeutic for me like it was just I got something it, it felt good and it didn't even matter that I didn't take it straight home and play it because I do that I buy music and don't play it immediately um, it mattered that I did it it was the acquiring itself that made the difference for me and I, I that may be a bad thing but for me at the moment it was therapeutic now I can I can tell you a time in my past where spending money I didn't have was the therapeutic thing because I was it was always just like I can't stand it I can't stand all the debt I'm gonna buy something <laughs> sounds sounds ridiculous but that that was the way it happened for me so at times in my life at least retail has been therapy and I don't know if that's true for you guys or if if it has that that impact it is so true for me Ginger will back me up on this what is your viewpoint on my retail therapy problem you're on a budget? <laughs> yeah. Well, now I've kind of gotten control of it, but you know it's a problem for me. <laughs> and that's the reason why you, you are um, on a budget. On a budget. <laughs> I used to, I used I to keep it under control that way. <laughs> I used to buy at least one or two games a month. And then yeah. we started going through those financial issues whenever I was trying to get money together for this uh this education I was going, this education ex experience I was going for, and um, I dropped down to not only zero buying zero games a month, but actually selling hundreds of games. I sold over two or three hundred games. Um, but now I have I, I'm back. I, I'm back in a financially good place. I'm However, back, baby. I'm back, baby. But I can't go back to buying one or two games a month yet because now we're renovating our house, which is a work in progress, and we have to we have to hold on to our money for other things, which is galling the crap out of me because I want games. I worked my butt off to get to this point, and my inner Veruca is saying, no, you earned this. You need more games. And then my inner Ginger is saying, no, you don't. My external Ginger is saying the same thing, so I'm outnumbered. <laughs> I like the fact you have an inner, you have an external and an internal Ginger. <laughs> She's with me no. everywhere I go. No, he has an internal Veruca. Oh, I no. want it now. Yes, but in my inner Veruca is outnumbered by my inner ginger and my outer ginger. Mm, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, probably it is a good thing. Um, just, um, I mean, we we're just talking about id here, right? So you, you've got an inner id, but you've got an outer and inner superego. That's fantastic. Yes. Um, just bringing it back to therapy terms. See, Ginger, folks. I got to get you a cape. Now you're a superego. <laughs> 
I like that you went to the Superman theme. Of course. So what are the benefits of overloading your game shelves? Because we do it. I mean, you did it before you got to this place, you and Ginger, before you got to this place where you had to do some selling. We were all on this track of overloading our game shelves. Oh, we're still I know. there. Yeah. I know one benefit. Um, when we overload our game shelves, we get to go have Swedish meatballs. Yay, Swedish meatballs. Oh. <laughs> we go to Ikea and get more, more shelves. shelves. <laughs> <laughs> and that means, of course, that you have to stop for lunch in their cafeteria. Of course. Swedish meatballs. And they are so tasty. It so took we're you a minute. You were like, "What?" That Swedish meatballs <laughs> reinforced right game collection. <laughs> I, 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 I immediately knew what Brian was talking about. No, it's it's a fringe benefit. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a- the whole time we've been talking, I can see that Woody and Susie are running out of room, and they need another shelf. And I was looking, going, "Well, you can scoot this shelf down. You can add another." <laughs> I know. I'm trying. I'm looking at it, going, "Where the hell are we going to put another one? Because we really don't have any more room." <laughs> Oh yeah, you just. Oh no, move, we can put you, it on top. Oh, we can put a, another one on top of that one and that one. Oh, <laughs> we're going could, vertical, folks. Board game we're going vertical. You now you can move the the round table over like a couple feet. You can move your spiffy board game table over a couple feet, and that wall is now room for um, shelves. Yeah. Oh, we get, yeah, we okay. do have that other wall there. We could do. <laughs> Yeah, I'm serious though. We, we we do need some new shelves. I, I smell I'll, I'll go over this. I'll go over this when we hit the rules of acquisition disorder in, in just a moment. <laughs> I, I do have I do have a um, suggestion for you. Uh huh. When you are shopping for a new house, which I understand you're going to be doing soon. Yes. Prioritize. No, I know. Yeah, the, the game room is first. <laughs> The game room and uh, (laughs) the um, the uh, high speed internet; those are the two things that that make or break getting a new place. Children can share rooms. Games need space. No, the whole reason we're buying a new house is to get that goes in our rules of acquisition disorder. That goes in our rules of acquisition disorder. Absolutely. Oh, I disagree. You say that, but. No, but the whole reason we're getting a bigger house is so that the kids can have their own rooms. Yes. So, no. Get what, get what we used to have, a finished basement yes. with shelves everywhere. Well, that's what we want, yes. That's, yeah, something, but, something but, to but, that effect. But the bedroom number being actual bedrooms is not up for discussion. So, <laughs> so that uh, is not negotiable. Moving, <laughs> moving on here. Um, I, I, ha- I was thinking about this, and it seems like there may be the opportunity here to talk about the fact that this cult of the new, this acquisition disorder is actually good for our hobby. Because even if I'm buying games that I don't play for whatever reason, I'm still putting money into the stream of income that goes into our hobby. And as a result, keeping our hobby afloat. And maybe that's just as important as seeing a really bad Batman movie if you want good Batman movies to come out afterwards. I refuse. Sorry, I had, to pick, had to pick on DC. No, I refuse to um, encourage bad behavior. After Batman and Robin, they had to win my trust back. Hey, and they failed to man. do so. Until Wonder Woman and Aquaman. Those were, were pretty good. 
we're not going to get too deep into that discussion because I have all <laughs> kinds of arguments with what you just said. But um, I, I will say that I, there is there is a side, and, and I'd like somebody to take up the opposite position, but it does seem to me like we're keeping the hobby afloat by doing this. Are we doing that, or are we doing something to cause a negative impact on the hobby? Well, I guess my, my, my one concern is this whole obsession with the new hotness. And I think it, it it feels sometimes like games are disposable. Like you play them once or twice and then suddenly you're on to the next game. And it, it... So it feels sometimes like all of the focus is on coming up with something new. Some yeah. new gimmick. Some new... Um, new way of playing the game or that kind of thing that that's where the focus is instead of taking these good ideas and and making them better and improving on the concepts that we've already gotten and coming up with new stories and that kind of thing so i think that's one way that i i get concerned is is with this whole cult of the new and if we could if there was a better way of doing it so that we can encourage people to go back and I like the fact that they're bringing out older games and and redoing them, mm-hmm. but I don't know that they there needs to be more of that. I think because there are really good older games that are wonderful that people forget to play because they're so focused on the cult of the new. And if we could update maybe and and maybe they're you know the components are kind of crappy. But the, the concept of the game is great. So if we could just upgrade the components a bit and then bring the game back, that would be awesome. So more of that I would like to see as opposed to all this focus on, well, this is a new thing and this is new and this is new and this is new. And so kind of going back to, to good stuff that people have forgotten about. Well, the flip side of that is, um, I guess, kind of like um, the role-playing game industry one of the big problems with them is only one person needs to buy one of the books. So they have to come out with expansion books, books that expand on it or different games in their publishing sphere just to keep making money. Because once somebody has the book, they don't need anything else unless they release a new edition. Um, Board game companies are the same way. Usually one or two people in a given game group will own a game. So how do you keep making money as a company? You put out more games and you put it out as you promote it as the next new hotness and you try to see, you throw things at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. Okay. Speaking to what you said, Susie, the first thing I thought was the fact that um, even the old coming out new is still the new hotness. It's still called to the new. We're not actually going back and saying, you know, we're not actually going back and saying let's find old games and play old games. We're fi- we're saying let's play old games that are remade. The other thing I thought about, um, and these are just thoughts; these are not necessarily my my argument towards it. But we don't think the same way about movies. We want new movies, and we get really pissed off when movies come out that are remakes of other movies because it feel it feels like it's almost like a a disrespect to the original to make a new a, a new addition. Imagine, for instance, if someone said, I'm going to make a new Big Lebowski. 
that would just immediately for me it would just be a non-starter there's just no way you can't do that you can't there's nothing that can be done here well this that's just done. like your opinion man <laughs> <laughs> well, i think the, the the concept though is that what i'm talking about is the designers of the game bringing it back with maybe upgraded components or whatever but yeah. it's still the person that created it is still the one behind the concept right Whereas you're talking about whole new people coming in and thinking they can do a new version of Lebowski and not having it star Jeff Bridges and not being directed by the Coen brothers. And that I have a problem with because that's just new people mucking around where they don't. But if the Coen brothers said, I want to bring back the big Lebowski and we weren't. And, and this goes into that whole George Lucas thing of futzing around with Star Wars and all that. But. Could it be that maybe they say, well, we wanted to try it a new way and, and kind of come at it from this direction. And I would be willing to be to to, to go with them on that because it's their movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, so that's that's how I would say it's different for. Also, for every movies. time you play a board game, it's a slightly different experience. Right. Every time you go back and see a movie, it's the same experience. And if you have a remake, there are just two experiences now. No, I beg to differ. Every time I go back and watch a movie, it is not the same experience. It is 95% the same. Unless it's something like um, if you're watching The Usual Suspects or you know, some that has, has a twist and different foreshadowing that you need to catch or is really, really long with a lot of subtleties like Endgame. Um, yeah. I'd be willing to, to say I've read, awesome. I've read Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide series multiple times. And every time I've found something new in it that I didn't find before. Yeah, but that's a book, too. Well, same with movies, though. I, I, mean, I was just trying to take it out of media so that I could show that it applies to different media formats. Well, okay. Pulling different things out of it is one thing. But whenever I play a game, I'm playing it with different people. Yeah. Um, and it's, it has new uh, random factors. And sometimes can have a completely different feel. Um it's like if you were watching a movie and suddenly a character does or says something you didn't expect, says something different from the last time. The same basic elements are there, but there are significant changes. That's more like what a board game's like. Yeah, okay. I can see that. So the only thing I can think of that makes this idea of Cult of the New a negative for our our hobby. So... Cult of the New is, let's go out, let's buy the newest thing. Let's put the money into the system immediately that way. As if there's sort of some bank somewhere that's the bank of games. And all the money goes to this particular spot. But, if I'm just going out and doing that, and not at, you know pointing out what Susie said, and not sort of respecting the past, not respecting what came before, and I'm, I'm almost saturating the market with maybe sometimes subpar games, because I'm willing to buy whatever. And it's not really true about me, but I'm just kind of making a, a long a long distance point here, which is, you know, if as a culture we grab up the thing that looks the newest and the hottest and the greatest, and we, you know, at this point, Scythe is a little bit old now. It's like two or three years old now. At this point, if something supplants Scythe, then it supplants Scythe, and suddenly a good game has gone to the side. So there is a, a side to this that maybe it's bad for the hobby in the sense that we're not reinforcing the the games that deserve the most respect. Instead, we're just moving on to the next thing. It's a bag of chips, and I want the next chip. 
yeah, the, the, the area the where gen. that the area where that goes south is I know people who, whenever you try to bring up a game that's maybe a couple of years old, they don't want to play that. They have a new game they want to play, and they almost exclusively play new games. They don't ever. They'll play a one game maybe three or four times, but then the new hotness comes out, and they have to focus on that. They just can't play games that they've already dipped in that well once or twice. They they want they want something new, something fresh. And we're always looking for we always want the next innovation, you know, like like if I can't imagine, you know, I wasn't there when Dominion first came out and and made this big wave in creating a deck building game sort of grouping. And I'm not even sure it was the first deck building game, but it was certainly the one that took the world by storm in terms of the game world. I mean, maybe not the world as a whole. But so we really like that innovation when we see it. And there's sort of this kind of sitting on the sidelines going, well, can somebody else come up with something different besides what we've already got? And if they can, show it to me. And, you know, it's kind of like we want we want to, we want to, it's almost like there's a, there's a technology track in gaming. And we want to get to the highest level of the technology track. And even then, we want the expansion. <laughs> you know, it's we're we're all tech tracking. Well, it's there is a good side to the um, the cult of the new for the creators. It's it it is an art making a game. Absolutely. And um, Donald Dex Vaccarino came out with um, with Dominion, and after umpteen thousand expansions. I'm sure he was happy to be done with that, moving on to making something brand new. In fact, he started coming out with new games in between expansions. And sometimes whenever you're the creative sort, you just want to stop dipping into that well and make something different. And you're going to start gener generating Cult of the New. And the nice thing about gaming in the current hobby is that we are actually knowledgeable about the creators of the games. We know whenever a new um, Stefan Feld game is coming out, we want to check that out because we know him as a creator and we know he has good quality stuff. And there are other creators of games who were like, okay, I need to avoid that person because they make games that make me want to throw up. Right. <laughs> so, right. No, it's certainly true. And, you know, we have our rock stars that we look to. And, and, and I like this idea that you know there are a ton of artists out there and for those artists to have an audience cult of the new is really important because if i am so caught up on agricola and even caverna because i'm going to stay with Uwe rosenberg here if i'm so caught up in those things and i'm not looking at what's new then those new artists who put out something that's maybe fantastic are just going to get missed and and there's this sense in me that I I want to play them all. You know, it's like it's like Pokemon. I want to catch them all. I want to play them all. I want to play all the games that are good games. And sometimes it's a matter of figuring out what are the good games. But I want to play them all because they're all different experiences and they all offer new vistas and windows to look through my life at. So that's for for me. I guess that's part of what fuels my collection engine is that I want it all. I'm I'm very, I'm very greedy. So this whole thing came about because, um, you know, I was, I was thinking about all the different sort of 
you know, when you're thinking about psychology and gaming, you start to think, are there gaming psychologies? Are, are there gaming disorders? And this was one of the one of the ones that I sort of stood out as a gaming disorder. But I I realized that you know we were talking about acquisition disorder, and I thought about, well, you know, the Ferengi have the rules of acquisition. Can we tweak the Ferengi rules of acquisition and make them apply to our gaming hobby? So I've, I've got a list here, and and we can stop and talk about any of them, or if, if other, other people want to read some of them, that's fine too. I just want to, some of these were really worth creating. You know, I just took, I took Ferengi rules and then started writing things. I need to write the one down that Brian said, which was, um, kids can share a room, board games need space. I just, <laughs> that one's going to stick with me. Sorry, Susie. <laughs> Sorry, we'll have our sorry. number, our rules of acquisition numbers, and that will be rule number one. <laughs> rule of acquisition number one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, the the ones I came up with, and, and we can talk about them a little as we go. Once you have a game you value, never sell it. Oh, I know God, that. that's so true. Yeah, <laughs> and my soul is still bruised from selling all those games I love. Uh, never pay more for a game than you have to. Amen. That'll take care of people who put budget limits on you. Um, <laughs> never allow family to stand in the way of gaming. <laughs> a I can person, buy that. A person is only worth the sum of their games. We got into some of that in our discussion there. Anything worth doing is worth doing in a game. <laughs> yes. I totally have friends who we get together and hang out and I'm thinking we're just going to hang out, maybe watch a movie, goof off, talk, and they're bought a game and they're like, why are we not playing a game right now? <laughs> that's, that's me. I do that. <laughs> you always carry one with you. Then there's uh, Leech's yeah. Law. My favorite game is the one I haven't played yet. Yes. That it just stands as Leech's Law. That was Dave Leach always said that, and so it stuck with me. Favorite game is the one I haven't played yet, and that's Cult of the New at its heart. Mm, true. Yeah. Well, it doesn't have to be. Well, it's Cult of the New for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, because it could be an older game that you just haven't sure, played before. Sure. Sure. Um, a gamer without games is no gamer at all. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, then you're just a leech, L-E-E-C-H. <laughs> Nothing is more important for your health than your health except games. Games are important to my health. What? <laughs> That's what Rolling for James is all about, right? Right. Uh, it never hurts to suck up to better players. Unless they're stuck up better unless, players. Unless they're at, they're decaheads. Yes. Well, well. If it's going to, we'll refer to another rule in a moment here. Okay. Um, gaming is its own reward. Yes, yes. Most definitely. Expand or die. Yes. That's an actual. <laughs> that's an actual Ferengi rule of acquisition. But it, it totally. Applies but it applies. <laughs> Expand or die. But only get good expansions, please. Yes. But you can't know unless you buy. Unless you have a friend who has, it unless you, you have a friend who has, it. yeah, or unless you go to conventions yeah. and you try things out, which I, you know, well, that's definitely I mean, a suggestion like, I would have. I would say, I mean, I, I, I take Jay Abney 
Abney's advice when it comes to terraforming Mars, even though, um, because he's played that game so much. And so when he says this, this expansion is not necessary to, to, it doesn't better the game. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to that. Yeah. You definitely want, uh, you want experts opinions on things you want to, you know, the friends that you know, that play good games, you want their opinions on games. If you haven't played them. Especially yes. if they're they're obsessed with that game and they know it backwards and forwards, they're the ones to listen to. Yeah, some of the Seven Wonders expansions were just like, right. eh. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I would just say the whole game is, eh. but okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry that you're wrong. It must be it must be a burden. <laughs> he who dies with the most games wins. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't knock a game till you try it. Yes. yes. Don't knock Most a game until you tried it at least twice. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Most definitely. I have a story about that. Oh. Okay. So, um, what was the game? I, oh, uh, Council of Four. Yes. Oh, yeah. First time I played that game, I got my butt handed to me, very handily, by people on this podcast. I don't <laughs> know welcome. what you're talking about. <laughs> And Christy Abra. <laughs> and um, and I had a very... And, and, and I have a negative Im- image of a game a lot of times when I don't feel like I have played well. Like, not, not that... I can be beaten handily and be fine with it if I think I played well. I just... Somebody else played better. That's fine. But if I got beaten handily and I don't think I played well, then I'm really pissy about it. <laughs> and I don't like the game. And I, I kept reminding myself, you need to play this game again because you have negative emotions about how you played. But if you played better, you might like it. So I did play it again with the people on this podcast, and I still didn't win. But some Woody, <laughs> but I did. I did do much better, and I actually really enjoyed the game. So again, I agree with Brian. You have to play the game at least twice. You know, I just added another rule. It's not the game, it's the players. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that too. <laughs> it's not always the game. It's not always sometimes the game. Sometimes yeah, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, we'll put caveats there. It's not always yes. the game, sometimes it's Sometimes the it is the game. It's a piece of crap. <laughs> Some yeah, but, sometimes it is. But sometimes it is. Okay. Moving on. Uh, keep your lies consistent. <laughs> oh. This applies especially to playing with children. If they can keep their lies consistent, we might continue the game in the same vein that they want to continue the game. Mm-hmm. You can do that. I can do that too. Oh, what is that? I was reading something uh, just the other. It was yesterday, I think, and this dad was talking about when um, about cheating, and he was talking about when when his child cheats. What he does is instead of calling them on it. He will, then he'll notice the cheat, and then he'll go and he'll do the same cheat. Yep, 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 yep. And then he will see if the child calls him on it. If the child doesn't call him on it, most likely the child just doesn't understand the rules. Exactly. And then then you can just re-explain the rules at a better, you know. But if the child calls him on it, then he's like, okay, well, that's the way you played it, so I assumed I could play it that way too. And then they have a whole discussion about cheating. Yeah, we were discussing this on Discord in our Geek, uh, our geek Therapy Discord. Is that where I got Discord. it? That must be where I got it. I'm sorry. 
I, I will I will point out that I as a therapist I go I have gone in to play with a child and and, and put a game in front of us and it, it could even be something like Uno which is a pretty simple set of rules for the most part and the it's almost an assessment tool at this point because I'll play the game Uno and let's say the child does something that is inconsistent with my understanding of the rules okay I'll now adopt their inconsistency and say I'm just been playing by the wrong rules and then if they you know, say something about what I'm doing, then it becomes, this is our chance to talk about, well, mm-hmm. what's that all about? Why do you need me to not do the same thing you did? Right. It, it gives us a chance to explore their relationship to boundaries and rules. So even playing just a simple game, if you can get to that point, you're getting into the meat of the matter. You're starting to get to a point where you can actually investigate a person's playing style as related to other human beings and sort of, you know, deal with it from that perspective. So I would say that keep your lies consistent can be very helpful in this. Yeah. If you keep your lies consistent, I'll play the game just like you play the game. And everybody's happy. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to skip that one because I think that one's kind of lame that I put in there. Like um, that it. it did come It did come from the... Okay, never mind. That was it did poetic. Come from the, it is it did Okay. Home is where the heart is, but the stars are made of dice. It did that. come from the Ferengi rules of acquisition, which was home was where the heart is, but the stars are made of latinum. Uh, yes, but don't roll a critical failure because then it'll go supernova. Ah. Uh, I had, you had the setup for that. I'm like, no, you've got to read it. It's a setup for me. I know, yeah. I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, every once in a while, lose on purpose. It confuses your competitors. <laughs> That's what I've been doing all along. Everybody's really confused. <laughs> All right, Mr. Soze. Uh, <laughs> never let the competition know what you're thinking. I actually have a little bit of issue with this, and we t- we talked about this a little bit in uh, in our cheating episode. Um, but I was thinking, you know, we were talking about handicapping, and we were talking about you know uh, the fact that not everybody starts on the same footing. So a good sort of equity kind of style of doing things would be um, I've got a new strategy in, in this game and I'm going to tell you this new strategy. So now we pit this strategy against this strategy and now we can see whether or not one of us uses this strategy better than the other. I don't know if it might not be a good idea to always have some openness to your thought if you're going to try to play with people and not just play for the purpose of beating them. It depends. If you're playing for the purpose of winning, then it's a competition. Otherwise, yeah. you're yeah. just playing a game with friends. If you're playing with people who are new to the game, it is not a competition anymore. You're teaching them the game. Fair but enough. If, yeah. But I if mean, it's a bunch of you who you know we're all on the same level, it becomes a competition. Yeah, I would say I thought I agree with. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. It's um. It's just something I've kind of thought of over the years that if if we could both be on if we can both be on the same page when we start the game, then that creates a, h- a higher possibility that we're having an unequal competition. I like trying a strategy, and then at the end, go, the people going, "What did you do different this time?" And I tell them what I did. They're like, "Oh, I'm going to try that next time." If you tell them ahead of time, they'll if they're good enough at gaming, they'll figure out how to block your strategy before you ever get it started. Oh, that right. that's probably true too. So there there may be some 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 realisticness in that. Don't let the competition know what you're thinking mm, until the after the game's done. How about that? Yeah, until after the game's done. Until after you've won. 
There you go. <laughs> okay. Ask not what your games can do for you, but what can you do for your games? Yes. <laughs> upgrade. When in doubt, upgrade. Yay. Yes. Always go for the metal coins, especially Gross. if they've given you paper money. Even Ooh. if it's going to cost you $120 versus a $56 Kickstarter. Hey, that yeah. does remind me that I just did that for Glenmore. <laughs> oh, did you now? I did, because it was one of the add-ons I could do after the, after it was done. And I said, oh, metal coins, done, click. By the way, um, considering talking about upgrading, shout out to Meeple Source. That's where we've gotten most of our upgrades from. Oh, hey. That's true. Yeah, Meeple, Meeple Source, Source has done best. a fantastic job. If, if uh, those listeners, you know, we're just take a sort of commercial break here. If those listeners who, who are listening have, are game players and you haven't connected with Meeple Source yet, do oh, so. They're please, fantastic please people. Do. And they do an incredible job on creating extra highfalutin bits for your games. Yes, and they also sell actual games. They do. Um, and they, they, they manage to do some good stuff for Cult of the New in the sense that they go in and procure or find games that are just not coming through the major distributors. Yep. And sometimes cool. those games turn out to be really good games. And no, they're not paying us to say this. They're just really cool and we like them. Absolutely, yes. yeah, absolutely. No uh, one's paying us to say these things. Please pay us to say things. <laughs> yes, exactly. Please pay yeah. us to say things. Play us in in meeple bits. Yes. Pay us no, in, no. Pay, pay us, us in cold hard cash. I'm okay with that too. Yeah. Then we can buy the meeple bits. It's going to go to the same place anyway. Let's be honest. I mean, lest you think money that you gave to us would just go towards uh, games, it would go towards funding this podcast, which actually does take some money to run. Uh, moving on. Um, unless enough you don't is never enough. What was that? I said, unless you donate directly to me, in which case I'm not telling anybody. Because <laughs> Homeboy's keeping that stuff. Uh, it, okay. It's gamers at rollingforchange.com, folks. <laughs> so proprietor and owner of this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so enough is never enough. Enough is never enough. Sleep can interfere with gaming. Oh, you're the walking epitome of that one, buddy. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yes. Not for me. When I'm sleepy, I sleep. Yep. I agree with that. I'm, I'm on the I'm going to sleep. But Woody, however, you can find him in the wee hours of the morning at gaming yeah. conventions. It, it's hard to stop. A.M. and P.M. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, this is an actual Ferengi rule of acquisition. I just had to put it in here because I loved it. Dignity and an empty sack is worth an empty sack. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Only fools play retail. Mm. Ooh. What's that? There is nothing wrong with helping others as long as you get the points. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. The justification of playing is playing. That's similar to one we had earlier. Uh, my shelves can always hold more. It's just about rearranging. So true. So true. <laughs> you, you may think right now that my, our shelves look packed. I could get more on there. Oh, yeah. I see a tiny bit of room right on the floor. Oh, there are empty <laughs> There are empty expansion boxes that could be moved away from there. There, there are reorganizations that could make things better. There are sofas. I, there are sofas. <laughs> Well, I think that you can also use that that concept to say not just about our shelves, but about our car when packing games. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Or the bags and the um, boxes that we transport them in as well. A trip like, from Dice Tower is not complete if you can see out the back window. Or have two games in your lap. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> However, a wise gamer packs enough games to go to the convention that they have space for most of the games coming back from the convention. Yes. Okay. Because there will always be more coming back from the convention. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is another one that's almost a direct quote of the Ferengi. New gamers are like razor-tooth grubworms. They can be succulent, but sometimes they bite back. Yes. That's disturbing. This one goes back to something we said earlier. Fellow gamers are rungs on the ladder of success. Don't hesitate to step on them. (laughs) Again, going back to fellow gamers, the ones at your level. Yes. Don't step on new gamers, please. Correct. Yes. And also, really, these are all tongue in cheek. We're not gonna, we're not gonna follow most of these rules. Never game on an empty stomach. Well, that one. Yeah, I, I never yes, do. follow that rule. Follow that rule. Games last longer than sex. In yes. general, otherwise it starts to chafe. <laughs> Next. <laughs> More is good. All is better. Yes, all the games. And deep down. Everyone is a gamer. Yeah. Some people are sports gamers. Some people are board gamers. Some people are card gamers. Some people are emotional gamers. Ha ha. But yeah, I think think that's true. It's just you you pick which game that you're, which type of game you're interested in. So those are our, our rules of acquisition. And if you, the listener, have any other rules of acquisition disorder that you would like to send us. Uh, once again, it's gamers at rollingforchange.com. We'd love to hear those. Yes, um, most definitely. You know, we, we've, we've talked about some of the challenges of, of this uh, collecting sort of bug that we get. What are the best suggestions we have for gamers as they try to do this in a safe way, I guess is the best way to put it? If you're new to gaming, I've, I've seen people say, you know, I bought like five or six games right in a row and... Okay, that, keep in mind, you want to play some of the games first. Um, whenever you're just getting started, find out what your style of game is. Go not, to meetups. Yeah, not everybody is going to like a take that game. And if you, get out in the, if you get out in the world and you realize the group of people you play with hate those, and you just bought five, you may be having some uh, playing issues with your games and wondering, why don't people ever play my games? Because they all think they suck. Well, that, that's true, but I would also say, you know, if that's the kind of game you like, look for the kind of game group that will match right. with your playing style. True. true, true. Don't, don't play other people's games just to play them so that you can fit in, because that can be a dangerous sort of uh, slippery slope. Find the people that you fit with and play games with them. And of course, allow, you know, of course, make new relationships and, and, and be willing to go outside of your comfort zone. But don't force yourself into playing games you don't want to play. On the on the flip side of that, though, there are games that I really think I would enjoy, but I don't buy them because I can't think of anyone who would play them with me. I still buy some of them, like um, Campaign Trail. Yeah. Not many people. That's not going to make it to the table very often. But I love that kind of game, so I get it because every once in a blue moon, I'm going to get to play it. Yeah, absolutely. And I know no one else is gonna, in my friend's group is going to buy it. 
I mean, that that's true for a lot of games on my shelf, actually. I mean, like, if I look at something like Time's Up, which you and, and Susie just don't enjoy, and I don't, I don't know about Ginger, but um, that is it's, it's one of my favorite party games ever, and uh, I don't get to play it with the group of friends that I normally play with. <laughs> there is something to be said for knowing the tastes of your game group and not avoiding buying games that you like, but tailoring your purchases more toward what your what other people are going to want to play and still buying games that you will enjoy and finding a group to play those with. Yeah. Yeah. That's certainly true too. But if most of the games that you buy are ones that most of your friends aren't going to play, you're going to have a shelf full of games that are never going to get played. Yeah. Um, BGG.com is your friend. Yeah, Absolutely, yes. It's a great place to go to look at reviews of games, um, to track all the games that you play and that you own for the idea of what's coming out next. Um, if you have questions about games, you can go there and ask them. They also have forums for questions that have been asked. I, I think there's usually at least one time, not necessarily every time we play, but there have been lots of times where we've had, well, how would you interpret this rule? And if you go to Board Game Geek, a lot of times you will find someone's already asked that question and there's an answer for you. So lots and lots of good stuff at boardgamegeek.com. As far as YouTube, um, a few different places you can go to are um, the How to Play Ro- podcast. Rodney's fantastic. Yeah. Um, Rado runs through. Rado runs through. Um, Dice Tower and um, Undead Viking is another oh, old favorite. And shut up and sit down. Shut up yeah, and sit down. Shut yes. up and sit down. Was, those guys are fantastic. My, I was racking my brain because I love those guys. I love those guys. And um, Tabletop, if you're looking for brand, you know, newer games and simpler games, stuff that are kind of like um, gateway games, things to get you started in the hobby, um, that's a fa- Tabletop with Will Wheaton is one of the best. Yeah. Absolutely. Although they do get rules wrong sometimes, and I want to scream at the TV, but you know, hey. But we all do that, so it, yeah. it's fair that they do. Yeah. Um, yes, but whenever they're doing it and you can't correct and go, oh, wait, and you're like, no, you're continuing to play with the wrong rule. My And my OCD just kicks into high gear. Yeah, okay. At least on Rada's Klingon um, translation at the bottom, um, he has the rules clarifications as he's going and making his rules wrong. Oh, that's good. Okay. You know, I, I think that one of the challenges with being a collector of games is that we might, at times, buy games that are very similar and not really empty the shelf of the game that that game is taking the, the place of. And I'm, I'm just as guilty of this, so I, I don't, I'm not the person to, to, to be the, the flag waver for being careful. But the idea being, you know, okay, let's... I'll I'll use this example. It's not a good example because I like Dominion much better, but you got Dominion. Dominion is this amazing deck builder, and there's box after box after you can play Dominion for years. Um, and then along comes something like Ascension, which is also a deck builder, very similar style, different things that you can do with it. That And maybe you get to the point where you're like, well, you know, this scratches the deck building itch that I had, and I no longer need this other deck builder, so I'm going to get rid of this other deck builder. 
that's that's worth paying attention to. Like maybe there are certain games that you just there's a certain kind of style of game that you like. You might as well stick with the one that you enjoy the most in that style, and maybe get rid of the rest. I, as as I say this, my heart twinges. I can't do it. <laughs> there was um, there was, was a podcast um, with uh, I can't remember the name of the podcast. It was something with Cody and John, I think, and there was uh, Cody's Law, and Cody's Law was. If you have two games that scratch the same itch, you get rid of one of them. And yeah. I hate that one because, you know, <laughs> my itches move. And one day, <laughs> one day I scratch that itch on my elbow and it might be on the left side of my elbow, slightly off center. And there might be some time, whatever that is, it's on the far side of my elbow on the front side, you know, and it's like a deck builder. This one's on the front side of my elbow. This one's on the side offset a little bit to the left. And I'm not going to get rid of Clank and Marvel Legendary. Just and, because they scratch the same itch. Yeah, because they, they, yes, they scratch the same itch, but they scratch it in a different way. Yeah. And, and no, I, I can't do that. Um, I've, I've never had two games that scratched an itch in quite the same way. That's true. That's true. Um, is there an optimal number? Like this sounds like a crazy question, but is there a spot that you say, okay, once I got to this point, there's no possible way I can pay all, play all those games in a year, and if I can't play a game in a year, should I have it? Um, that's madness. <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> I'd be down to maybe twenty-five, thirty games. That's insane. Yeah, that's not okay. Yeah, it's it. I can't, I can't. I just, I have an acquisition disorder. <laughs> I think if I, within my lifetime, can play this game five to ten times, it stays on my shelf. Yeah, yeah. Especially if it's something that I find that is really meaningful to me. You know, what's the first step of the twelve steps? It's it's realizing that you're you out of control. <laughs> admitting realizing you have you a have problem. problem. Realizing yeah. you have a well, problem. Well, I've got that part it. down. I, I I realize I have a problem, and yet, and I could quit any time, but uh, uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> but I don't want to. <laughs> I do not have a problem. I am <clears throat> I am perfectly good at managing the issue. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Ginger is perfectly good at managing the issue. <laughs> potato, potato. <laughs> oh, okay. So you, she's one and the same with you. No. Remember, a, he's got an inner and an external. I, I, I know, I know. A true alcoholic can get around stuff like that. Uh-huh. I could get around that if I was addicted enough. I'm Are not. you saying that you never bought a game outside of budget? Oh, absolutely. And I also went and told Ginger about it within almost no time of it because I am <laughs> incapable of keeping secrets from her. So you confessed, but it didn't change what you did. No, because she's, she, while she gave me, a side, gave me some side eye and said, Brian. And, she's, and then she wanted to open the game and take a look at it because she, she, she was okay with it. Like I said, okay. if it's detrimental to your life, it's a bad thing. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, Brian has one problem. We have friends that their their spouse is not into the gaming industry. Yeah. And so they could all of a sudden just put a new game on the shelf 
and tell their spouse that, oh, I've already had this. I've had this for a long time. <laughs> I can't it, do that. He cannot do that. Not when we're both in the in the gaming industry. Um, I I can. I think there's enough games on our shelf that I could probably put a new game on the shelf and Susie wouldn't know. I can, as long as I keep it under the bed and never play it. <laughs> I don't know about that, Woody. I think she might can figure it out. We'll test it somewhere in the near future. Yeah, I was about to say, I, th- I, think, I think that's a challenge. <laughs> and an excuse to buy a new game. <laughs> that's what it is. The, the other thing, uh, you know, we were, we were offering suggestions for listeners. Go to conventions. Yes, you don't have to go to the big ones. You don't have to go to Gen Con, Origins, even Dice Tower. Um, but go to conventions because there you will get the best chance to play a lot of the new games before you even go out and buy it. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to find that Kickstarter that just hits that itch the way no other game ever thought it could. If you go to a large convention, there are usually people there teaching who, who run the company who are teaching their games. Um, if you go to That's a smaller true. convention, a lot of them, especially the ones here in Atlanta, because we we brought this idea back from uh, from Dice Tower Con and people, it just glommed on to people so hard, is they'll they'll have um, signs that you can put up saying "Teacher Wanted." Yeah, and I've had people stop by and just teach a game, let us get through a few a few rounds, and then they take off to play another game. Um, I have seen people who have a thing up saying teacher wanted and I've gone and helped them out. There are other things that just say players wanted and there's a person sitting there setting up a game and they need some more players and you can go, hi, you, you are seeking new players. I am a player where, where I was. I the person you were seeking because I'll sit down if so. And people at conventions in general, usually really nice. I've only been to maybe one or two conventions where people were kind of clickish yeah. and didn't like letting new people in. Um, but that's extremely rare. So there's a side of that that is, uh, you know, gamer etiquette that we need to kind of point out, which is if you're at a convention, don't be insular. Reach out to new people. Reach out to people you haven't reached out to before. Try to create variety in your playing group. It's not always easy because there is a side of it that's like a family reunion. Like I know when I go to Dice Tower, I will see some people that I don't see any other time of the year. And those people will be important for me to game with. But at the same time, I do want to make sure that I'm connecting with people that I've never connected with before because... Those could be more friends that you'll only see once a year. And That's true. That's true. And and then, you know, it's it's almost like there's a rule of acquisition uh, of gamer acquisition disorder here maybe where it's like um, you know, try to create a uh, a variety of peoples within your game groups so that it's always interesting. That's one I'll have to think about more cuz I, I I just that's off the cuff so I I can't really the nicest thing about about the board game community that was gaming by its very nature is a social thing. True. And so yes. unlike a lot of other um, hobbies, it's pretty easy to get into a group, um, especially at, a, at something like a convention or a meetup, because there are usually four, five, six tables going on and you can get into a game. Um and more often than not, people will just invite you if they see you walking around doing nothing. I walk up to the game. I walk. I have no games going on, and I walk up to the 
to the you know wall of games at a convention, just looking at the games, and I always almost always have someone walk up and say, "Hey, looking for a game?" Yep, that that's the way. That's the way of it. Yeah. So conventions are your friends, and uh, make sure you go to conventions to help you kind of, I mean, it can be just as bad for you as it can be good for you, because good for you on the side of, like, you can play a game that you wanted to try and see if it's worth it and maybe find out that it's not. Bad for you, and you can play a game that you wanted to try, and you really love it, and you're like, I've got to have this right now. Where's my Where's my phone? I've got to contact Amazon right now. <laughs> Which happens quite a bit. Yes. Oh, it does. It does. And that's a problem. Why? <laughs> it's only a problem, as as always, as we've said from the top. It's only a problem if it becomes detrimental to you in some way. You know, it moves from putting food on your plate to putting a game on the table. Eh, maybe that's not the best choice. So, speaking of food, I'm hungry. Woo. That's that's my way of transitioning out. How do you like it? Is that is that good? Segue. That, that was great. <laughs> so great. So, uh, listeners, thank you so much for joining us for this uh, this discussion on the rules of acquisition disorder. Um, if you want to reach out to us, um, we're at all the normal places that you've been reaching out to us. But I'll say them again, and I'll probably say them again at the very end of the podcast. We have a Geek Therapy Discord server. And there is a game group there, and you can go in there and talk about any board game you wanted to. And there's an RPG group, and there are plenty of video game groups. So you can talk to us on all these different things. And it's live and active, and there's a, there's a growing community, and it's really fantastic. Uh, you can also email us, gamers at rollingforchange.com. That's where you can find us. And finally, you can go to network.geektherapy.com and check out the forums. There is a forum entry for every... Uh, for every episode that we do and we would love to see your comments there as well so please reach out we love you all and want to hear from you and uh, anybody else anything to add and if you want to send me free stuff around Woody you can always contact me on BGG my name is B Peace (laughs) (laughs) you are shameless sir shameless Yes. again your point It's somewhere in the... He's just following the rules of acquisition disorder. (laughs) All right, you guys. Keep on rolling for change. You've been listening to Rolling for Change, episode 29, The Rules of Acquisition Disorder. Rolling for Change is proud to be a part of the Geek Therapy Network. This month, Geek Therapy is eight years old. According to developmental psychology, Geek Therapy is now able to count backwards and enjoys collecting things. If you'd like to be a part of the Geek Therapy Collective, point your browser to network.geektherapy.com. There you can connect with the community, talk about podcast episodes, and engage in geeky discussions. If you just want to reach out to a friendly group of people, join us on geektherapy.com forward slash discord. If you want to send us suggestions or support Rolling for Change, contact us at gamers at rollingforchange.com. Finally, a round of applause for rocket scientists who have allowed us to use Galileo as our theme music. If you like our theme, you can find much more great music by rocket scientists on bandcamp.com. Thanks so much for listening, and keep on rolling for change.